0: Amen. Let's get into the word tonight. I want to have time for some prayer this afternoon. Uh, But turn in your Bibles with me to Psalms 46, verse 10. I think we have it on the screen. Psalms 46, verse 10. But I'm going to pray. Father God, Lord, tonight, this is all for you. God, uh, know me to speak what you want me to speak. God, I know what you've put in my heart, God, and help it to come out, Lord, the way you want it to come out, God. And and we want to just uh, rest in you, be in you, Lord Jesus. Help us to slow down in our minds and our hearts and our lives and say, God, <clears throat> you are our cup. You are you're the whole thing, God. You we want you to be in control of this vessel. We want you to fill it to overflowing. God, that you are the sole supply for our lives and Lord that we just rest and receive from you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. Let me talk to you a little bit tonight. I, I really just have some verses on my notes um, that I really want to just felt like Uh, just to talk on tonight. And really, I'm really going to preach to myself more than anyone because I really felt like this was part of my devotion this week, uh, what the Lord was speaking to He. But I want to talk to you about being still and knowing God. But more than that, uh, if I could put it into some words, would be relaxing and receiving. Relaxing and receiving. Uh, And in Mark chapter 6, before feeding the 5,000, Uh, The apostles return uh, to Jesus and they've been really busy and they've done all these awesome things and they come give a report to Jesus uh, what they said uh, said and done and taught and Jesus says to them hey let's go off by ourselves let's get to a quiet place let's rest a while Uh, and he says this because there's all these people coming to them uh, and he notices they didn't even have time to eat so they get on a boat and they go get alone together Uh, and Jesus knew in the physical form, he knew the importance of resting. Not only uh, resting physically, but sometimes there's a place of uh, emotional rest. Have you ever been through a very, an emotional draining time? You need some emotional rest. And there's the physical rest that we need to have. There's an emotional rest, but there's also a spiritual rest uh, that we talk about in Scripture. But, uh, you know, as, as people, we can easily... Uh, be striving to do things on our own all the time. It's it's just our nature because part of the curse of the garden was to work, and and working is a part of that. and And the Bible is not against work. The Bible is very much against laziness. It's against slothfulness. It's for it's pro work. Okay, the Bible is pro work, uh, but it's also pro rest, and the two are not mutually exclusive. And I find so many times in my life I get in trouble. Because I like to go faster than God does in a lot of things. And so I have to learn to slow down. And we have that phrase uh, in the Pentecost circles, let go and let God. How many grew up with somebody preaching that? Let go and let God. Um, So here's these disciples. They're doing their best for the Lord. And their best in working and being busy was not bad because it was Jesus' work, by the way. We're not talking about secular work. We're talking about Jesus' work. They were being busy with Jesus' work. But you can even get so busy with Jesus' work that it's bad. And Jesus knew they needed to eat. They needed to rest. And so being busy is not always bad. But being too busy to be refilled is if we being busy for Jesus is not bad, but being too busy that you can't be refilled uh, or refueled is bad. So Psalms forty-six verse ten—that's our text for tonight. It says, "Cease striving." Or the New King James: "Be still." That's how most of us learned it. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. God is at the first place. He's at the prime place, and He's speaking in that psalm. He's saying, "Cease." striving and be still meaning of uh, psalms 37 echoes it and says rest in the lord and so he says he's this god he's the good shepherd we're just the sheep and we're to ensure that we're relaxing from what that we're relaxing from our own striving and then resting in the lord so we're talking about relaxing from our own striving and resting in the lord so what does it mean to be still and know that he's God? What does it mean to relax from our striving and receive God? So let's, I'm going to break this two things. I'm just going to talk about two phrases tonight. Knowing and being still. So let's, talk, let's take that first part. Knowing. What does it mean to know that he is God? What does it mean to know God? You know, Israel encountered God many times in the wilderness. They man, they saw God uh, speak from the mountain, so we, they'd heard God's word through Moses, through the prophets. So they had that, that the word of God revealed. They saw mighty miracles. They Red Sea and manna and all this stuff. They heard it from the prophets. They saw great victories uh, through the kings, uh, where people turned to God and God would send angels ahead of them and all kinds of stuff. They they heard it. They experienced it. But the Bible says in Hosea that my people perish for a lack of what. Knowledge. They perish for a lack of knowing God. That word knowing God in Hosea is directly related to the relationship that Israel had with God. He says, they perish for a lack of knowing me intimately. Knowing me like a husband knows a bride, and a bride would know a husband. That intimate marriage relationship, that spiritual connection is what he was saying. That they could see it, they could hear it, but they could still not know it. Right? Have you ever met somebody like that before? Maybe in your workplace, you can explain it all day long, and they still don't get it. Right? There's just, sometimes you encounter a brick. You know, okay, I'm just going to move on. Some of you are looking at other people. All right. Uh, But it's like, you could explain it over and over and over again, until that phrase we say, until the cows come home, but they still ain't getting it. But he's saying there's something that hasn't clicked yet, and they haven't really grasped the knowledge a spiritual knowledge of knowing me in their hearts. So what God would do is in uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, he said, I'm going to do something new. And when I send my son, the Messiah, he says, I'm going to do something inside of them. And Jeremiah 24, verse 7 was a foretaste of that. He says, I will give them a heart to know me, heart to know me, for I am the Lord and they'll be my people. I'll be their God for they'll return to me with their whole heart, their new heart that He would create in them and us a born-again living relationship where literally He makes a new heart, a spiritually new heart in us. And so what He's saying is that before, man kept striving and striving and striving. They kept trying and trying and trying, but they never got anywhere. They never really got it. They tried harder, then they failed. They tried harder, and then they failed. And sometimes that's our Christian life. We do, 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 do. We go, 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 go. I'm trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to figure this all out. I'm trying to get the right doctrine. I'm trying to be a better husband. I'm trying to be a better wife. I'm trying to be a better mom or a better grandma or granddad. I'm or doing all these things. I'm paying my tithes. But I still don't have this rest, this peace. I'm not refueled. I'm not energized by all this doing. And so what God is saying, but you have to be still and know me. You have to be still and... And know me. There's this spiritual connection God wants to have with us. Jesus says, hey, I know my own and my own will know me. In John 10. And as he's preaching this stuff, here's Jesus coming to give us this new heart to know God. Jesus comes in to his disciples and says, hey, my sheep will know my voice. I'll know them and they'll know me. They're going to have this intimate connection with me. But then right before he's about to die, he's with the disciples and Peter—I pipe, mean, Philip pipes up uh, and He says to Jesus, He says, Jesus, just show us the Father and it will be good enough for us. That's how we'll really get it. That's how we'll really know it. Just give me this awesome revelation. Show me some angels. Show me some streets of glory. And I've heard people say that in the Christian church before. If I could just see heaven, if I could just have an angel talk to me, then I'd really believe. Or if I could just get some kind of fairy dust to fall down. And we have people looking for feathers and gold dust and gold teeth all the time in the charismatic circles. But Jesus says to Philip, what does he say? He says in John 14, or sorry, in John uh, yeah, John 14, verse 7, Philip, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. It, from now on, you know him because you've seen me. And he, Philip says "Then, but Lord, show us the father. It's going to be enough for us. And Jesus says, have I been so long with you And you've yet not come to know me. How have you not come to know me, Philip? How is it that we've been you've seen the signs, the wonders, the teaching, you've been in church every time the doors were open. Philip, you've paid all of your tithes. Philip, you've been a good moral man. You've been a you've been a good husband and father, and you've done all these things, but God, you you haven't really known me yet. And so Jesus would move on from there, and in John 14, verse 16 we would wonder where would that knowledge come from? Because, dear Lord, if the disciples walking with Jesus every single day couldn't get the knowledge of God, and they couldn't figure it out, David had, David foreshadowed it, Jesus comes and the disciples can't get it, this, this knowledge, this intimate connection with God, what does Jesus say? That it, How are we going to get this stuff? How are we going to get to that place of intimate communion? John 14, verse 6 16, he goes on and he says, I will ask the Father, He'll give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him nor know Him. Are you catching all these words? Nor know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you right now and He will be what? In you. In you. The Holy Spirit, in a few days from then, uh, uh, right when Jesus was resurrected, he would breathe the Holy Spirit on them and John, and it would come ins- he would he the Holy Spirit would come inside of them in Acts chapter two, then it would come upon them, so they 'd have the Holy Spirit with them, and he would have the Holy Spirit in them. And then they would have the Holy Spirit come upon them. It, there's no more ways you can get it. It's all inclusive. It's one whole package deal. It is the the most intense experience with God is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, when the disciples encounter the Holy Spirit in them and upon them, not just with them, not just coming to a church service and seeing other people experience the Holy Spirit, but them themselves actually experiencing the Holy Spirit inside of them and having the Rushing power come up on them these guys were literally changed inside out and they get the knowledge of God through the Holy Spirit so this is a knowledge he says be still and know that I'm God how can you know truly that he's God except by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you can only confess who He really is except by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit would have to draw you. There's an intellectual knowledge of God. There's a logical argument for God. There's sometimes in churches you can go and have an emotional connection, emotional awareness of God. I can come in and see people weeping. I can get emotional with them, and I can weep too, and I can jump and shout. I can run laps around a church. There's that emotional knowledge. But this is even deeper than that. Because all of that will fade away. There is an intimate spiritual connection that goes beyond our striving, our efforts, our ambitions, our aims, and all of our works. And it's simply just the relationship and the connection with the Holy Spirit. And I tell you what, each and every day, when I, when I forget to pray or I'm too busy to pray, I feel weaker. I don't know about you. I, I feel like lethargically, uh, irritably, Uh, In a bad place, you know, I just like there's this connection that I've already experienced in my life and has fueled me to a certain degree. And I know that today, if Heath Harris stopped praying, if I stopped having that communion with God, that I would no longer be able to do this job. I wouldn't be able to function as a husband or or a father because I've gotten to a place where there's this communion with his presence that I must have to do what I'm doing in my life right now. Are you understanding me tonight? He says, you've got to know me, not just know me because Miss Lou knows me or Pastor Christian knows me or Miss T knows me. You've got to have something that is connecting you and me together, not through Pastor Heath, not through the worship team, but you and me, God and you, that is this marriage relationship where there's an intimacy with the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Are you with me tonight? Okay. The knowledge, be still and know. I am God. Okay, let's go to the be still part. Because this is what throws me off. In the scripture, uh, there's a story of Luke chapter 10. You know the story of Mary and Martha. I'll have to confess, I am definitely Martha. Uh, if you know the story and you know me, you're going to know that. But Mary and Martha, Martha's is awesome... Uh, Betty Crocker of a lady she's uh, phenomenal in the kitchen, got a great house it's always kept clean, and she thinks she's going to serve Jesus and bless Jesus and the disciples they don't have a home they don't have food and so she brings them home for Sunday dinner or whatever and uh, she 's preparing the lasagna for them or, and cleaning the house and there's twelve men in the house, and it's a small house by the way, so it's cramped and they're smelly and they've got to wash their feet and' they're, you know peter's not using a coaster, and all this stuff's going around, and somebody didn't dump the trash can or flush the toilet and all this is going around it's got to look perfect Jesus is in my house for crying out loud you better believe Martha's want their house to look good when Jesus comes over Uh, okay how many know what I'm talking about all right and so there they are and you know the story but here's Mary, her sister, who's supposed to be helping. It was a woman's job uh, to help her older sister, especially when there were men over there. And men, women were not allowed to hang out around the men where the men were discussing things in that room. And so it was socially inappropriate for her to be in there, but yet she did it anyway. Mary... Being how she is, she's a little flaky sometimes. But Mary, she goes and she's sitting there in the living room. The TV, you know, they're talking. And Jesus, I don't even know if the, he was even speaking anything awesome. But she just wanted to be around where he was, and she's sitting at his feet, just listening and taking him in on his amazing wonder. Both of them were doing good, and, but Mary, you know, Martha gets a little upset. And what does Jesus tell Martha? She says, "Martha, you're worried and upset about all these things." But there's only a few things needed, and it's really only one thing, he says. Mary's chosen the better of those two, and it's not something that can be taken away from her. You see, all the busyness of Martha's life could have been taken away, but the one thing that Mary had that Martha didn't have was she was being still and realizing how awesome Jesus was. Martha didn't do anything wrong or anything bad, by the way. She was doing her part by her gifts to serve Jesus, uh, but here 's the catch: we can get so busy be, uh, being doing stuff so busy doing stuff that we forget to just be sometimes, and I do that all the time, get so wrapped up in doing for Jesus, even that we forget to just be with jesus uh, and that was the lesson there: her doing had neglected her being. And you can go to church all the time, but never be with Jesus. You can have a devotional life that's off the charts and still never be with Jesus. And so how are we being with Jesus? He says, be still and then know that I'm God. Be still and know. But here's the deal. That word right there means cease to strive or to rest. Be still. Cease striving and rest. And Psalm 62 echoes it and says, wait in silence. Uh, and it says, but then on the other verse, he says, well, pour out your soul. Well, I'm thinking, okay, God, here is me. I've got to figure this out. Should I be still or should I pour out my soul? Because when I'm from a Pentecostal background. That's two different things. I've seen on one end of the spectrum... I've seen people over here in monotone silence, you know, on one end of the Christian spectrum, Jesus, and they receive the Lord that way. And I've seen people jumping and shouting and waving flags and blowing some kind of crazy antler off of an animal. And you know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, and then running around doing Jericho marches. My pastor growing up had a trombone, and he would take that trombone, and they would just start running around the building. I grew up that way, okay? Uh, and so I can say some people are are... Pouring out their soul that way, and I've seen people pour out their soul that way. So, God, which is it? Be still or pour out my soul. Another place, Jesus says, Seek, seek me, knock, and and, and it'll be open, and I'm gonna get to that in a second. So how do we figure this out? I think sometimes we miss this conception of resting and receiving. Uh, again, you've got that spectrum. Is it going through fast worship and jumping and shouting, receiving God? Or is it the quiet contemplation? And what I've found in my life is it's not about the method. It's about the heart issue here. It's not about the technique. Because in Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, You seek me, you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And again, I'm stubborn. I'm going to say, okay, God, well, how do I seek you and search you if I'm being still? Being still tells me don't move. But seeking, and searching tells me to start moving around trying to do something for you, God. And uh, there was a moment uh, early on when I, when I just got on fire for God. And uh, I wasn't called to ministry yet. I was just on, on a, in a campus ministry just helping out, being a volunteer. And uh, God began to use me in words of, of knowledge and, and began to use me in, in uh, different gifts of the Spirit. And, and I felt the call to preach, but I hadn't received the I really accepted it yet. And so we had this prayer service. And it was about uh let's say 30 students college students in this little room and we're praying and uh one of these kids none of these kids were pentecostal none of them knew anything about the spirit of god or the holy spirit or speaking in tongues or the gifts or they didn't know anything like that they just were there because they loved jesus they got excited for god and they were experiencing god for the first time in their lives and I remember uh, God began to move in that meeting, and several of the kids came forward to just go after God and come. Uh, so we, some of us leaders, we kind of gathered around, and, and that God never really used me in a word very much. And so I just prayed for this guy, very intellectual, uh, kind of a liberal guy, and um, you know, politically speaking, uh, you know, kind of uh, earthy in a way, if you know what I'm getting at, and a really cool guy, I love him, a good friend of mine. But he wanted to, he kind of was like trying to figure it out. He was seeking and praying after God, but it was like he, uh, what I received from the Spirit is that he kept trying. I got to get the right words. I got to get the right doctrine. I got to get the right understanding. And if I just do enough things in this moment, then God will fill me. Uh, And I'm an analytical person, so I do the same thing. I'm thinking I got to understand it right. I got to pray right. I got to say the right thing. And in that moment, I just felt like God said to him, Hey, just. Stop it, right? And just receive. Just relax and receive. Just let go and receive. And me and a couple other guys laid our hands on him. And the next thing I know, he was just going down. And man, the Holy Spirit just came over him. Because he stopped trying in his own efforts. And thinking and trying to figure it out. And he just let go and let God. And there's this place we have to get to. And I think it's both. I think it's a resting and ceasing of striving. But it's also a searching. That young man came to that altar, if you will, searching for God. But then in a moment, he stopped trying. And he ceased and just let God take him over and receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. And God blessed him and changed his life. And so I think there's this misconception. Uh, Does being still mean do nothing? No. Uh, It means ceasing of all of your efforts. It means then receiving the Holy Spirit. In fact, being still has a lot to do with seeking God. Being still, in my mind, uh, is what I need to do so I can seek God by my Spirit. You can't seek God I'm going a little deep tonight. This is spiritual. You can't seek God by your flesh, okay? Uh, for those of you who are at that place in your life, sometimes you try and harder and try harder and try harder to get more of God. But what you're really doing is trying by your flesh, you're trying by your mental energy, you're trying by your goodness. You're trying by how you're praying. You're trying by how you're thinking or what songs you're saying. Or maybe I need to get on my knees. Or maybe I need to stand up. Or maybe I need to shout. Maybe I need to raise my hand. Those are all fleshly things. But there comes a point where you check out of all of your striving and you just start receiving by your Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Anybody understand me tonight? All right. All right. This isn't something we talk about a whole lot, and I feel like it gets people hung up a lot. And so it's not about the method, but being still and ceasing of striving means letting yourself stop and let my mind go, and let my, uh, my efforts uh, die, and saying, Lord, I am not enough. I know you are, and I'm just going to receive from you. And the Bible says when you're in a troubled place in Deuteronomy 4, that there you'll seek the Lord and your God, and you'll find Him if you search for Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So when he says, cease striving, or be still, and know that I'm God, he's meaning, stop it with your flesh, let your flesh die, get to that place of broken abandonment where you are not about your thoughts and your mind and your efforts and your ability and your goodness. And you say, God, I'm ceasing uh, of Heath Harris, and I'm saying, Lord, I'm seeking the Holy Spirit with my whole heart. And he says, I promise you, if you get to that place where Heath Harris is gone, and you are gotten beyond your thoughts and your emotions, and you're, you're you know, figuring an analytical mind, Heath Harris, uh, then you're going to begin to get to a deeper place and say, God, it's my heart is crying out, my soul is crying out, and he promises, he promises, he promises, he promises, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, uh, your Father in heaven knows how to give good gifts to those who ask. And that same passage says, well, ask Ask repeatedly, seek, seek repeatedly, knock, knock repeatedly. It will be opened to you. Not a maybe, it will be opened to you. He will give the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 9 through 13. You will receive the Holy Spirit when you get beyond yourself and you begin to seek God with your heart and soul he will fill you, and he says you're going to find true rest for your soul. It's that, I think that's, that, that's what he's meaning with that deep calls to deep. There's a deep place in me that really does long for God. And sometimes in my busyness, I don't know how to get there, and so I've got to be still. Heath Harris, you need to be still. Let your mind just fade away. I'm not talking about leave your doctrine and, and leave your emotions. I'm not talking about do weird, crazy stuff. I'm talking about get to a place where it's, you're, you're over, you're done, you're broken. Uh, George Barna, in his studies, he's a statistician of the, early, of the, the, the modern church, and he, he did a study on uh, the believers who were growing, great believers who were growing. And he said, in every one of their lives, you could chart it out. They got to a place of holy discontent. He said, and after they got totally discontented with the status quo, they were tired and fed up with how they were trying to earn God's favor. And go through the motions. He said they got to a place of brokenness. And that broken place, sometimes he said it was an emotional thing in their life where they got to a broken place, a total abandonment. And then he said, then surrender came. And then he said, after surrender, true love from God came. And so it was, I'm totally fed up with God going through the motions. I'm totally fed up with trying to figure this out. I say, God, it's a simple childlike faith to just say, God, I'm not enough, I'm going to be still, and that's not a uh, something I'm just doing with my body, but my mind, I'm saying, God, my mind, I'm going to be still and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I want to know you more. I want